All right, if you have your Bibles, good to see all of you tonight. If you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter number 12 is where we'll be looking tonight. And those of you who are joining us, uh, we're, we're still working on our cameras and all the rest, so be patient with us. If you, you know, send a word to us about uh, uh, something that you couldn't hear or you didn't like, we'll do the best we can. Send us your feedback and we'll do what we can. All of you who are here, we hope you can be with us in person when you feel comfortable and we're glad you're here we're glad the choir will be back with us sunday and brother steve can begin to do that so exodus 12 what a great chapter in the word of god the passover lamb is where we are and i i truly believe in uh, these this uh, study i you know all of the words of god's word are important and all of god's word matters so now uh, god's promise to deliver Israel from uh, Egypt comes in the night. That's interesting, isn't it? It comes in the night. God's deliverance of Israel comes unexpectedly. That's interesting too, isn't it? The promise has been made, but when it happens, and no one knows the time. Except when God says to Moses, now, this is, as we'll see tonight, this is. So chapter 12 is, chapter 12 is the beginning of the Exodus. That's what the book is called, as Moses has given it to us. And for, uh, we'll see as we conclude, but I'll begin with it. God promised Israel a new land. Before they got to the land, they would meet God in the wilderness at Mount Sinai. And God delivers Egypt. Uh, think God delivers Israel from uh, Egypt after 430 years. That's 20 generations. Everybody with me? 20 generations in Egypt. 430 years. That's a long time. So before we begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word of God, and we thank you for the blessings of life. We know, just as Lauren sang with her sweet voice, the wonderful assurance we have of being saved. And she sang about our redemption in Jesus Christ. She sang about salvation. And for these who are my friends and many who listen tonight, we rejoice in salvation in Jesus Christ. Where would we be tonight if we were not saved? We'd be in a miserable place, Lord, experiencing terrible and horrible things. But you have saved us. But so many others are not saved in our world of misery and pain. How we pray that you might lift them out of their wickedness and their sin. May they look to Jesus and be saved. And may we be a part of that as a church and as your people. Wherever we go, may we give account to those who ask us about the hope of Jesus Christ, the hope we have in Jesus Christ uh, that is within us. Now may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher and bless this time in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's just, we're going to just read uh, these words. I want to read, uh, if you have the outline, you'll have it there. I've simply outlined chapter 12 and I want to make some comments to you tonight. Then we'll apply a few things uh, in our time together. But what a tremendous chapter this is. This is such a turning point. After coming out of the nine plagues, we now find this, this last plague uh, promised and now fulfilled by God. So 
We begin in verse 1. Now the Lord said, this is Exodus 12. Now the Lord said to Moses, let me get this over here a little bit. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. Notice where God speaks to Moses and Aaron. God speaks to us in all kinds of places in our life. And God was speaking to Moses and Aaron, not at the mountain of God, not in the burning bush, but in the land of Egypt. God was speaking in the land of Egypt, the place of bondage and, uh, and, uh, and a king who was dominating and controlling, a tyrant. This month shall be the beginning of months for you. At twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire both its head, its legs, along with its entrails. And you shall not leave any of it over until morning. But whatever is left of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. Now you shall eat it in this manner with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men, man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now this day will be a memorial to you, and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations you are to celebrate, celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, but on the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats any leaven, anything leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day, you shall have a holy assembly and another holy assembly on the seventh day. No work at all shall be done on them except what must be eaten by every person. That alone may be prepared by you. You shall also observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day, I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent ordinance. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at even, evening. Seven days there shall be no leaven found in your houses. For whoever eats what is leavened, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is an alien or a native of the land. You shall not eat anything leavened. In all your dwellings you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and take yourselves lambs according to your families and slay the Passover lamb. 
you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood which is in the basin and apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lintel and to the uh, and, and the two doorposts and none of you shall go outside of your house of his house until morning for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come in to your houses to smite you and you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever when you enter the land which the Lord will give you, as he promised, as promised, you shall observe this rite. And when your children say to you, what does this rite mean to you? You shall say, it is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians but spared our homes. And the people bowed low and worshipped. Then the sons of Israel went and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Now it came about at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. Pharaoh arose in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was no home where there was not someone dead. Then he called for Moses and Aaron at night and said, Rise up, get out from among my people, both you and the sons of Israel, and go worship the Lord as you have said. Take both your flocks and your herds as you have said. Go and bless me also. The Egyptians urged the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We will all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was, le was leavened with their kneading bowls bound up in the clothes on their shoulders. Now the sons of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, for they had requested from the Egyptians articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them, uh, so that they let them have their requests. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Now the sons of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about six hundred thousand men on foot, aside from children. Estimates are two million people. A mixed multitude also went up with them along with flocks and herds, a very large number of livestock. They baked the dough which they had brought out of Egypt into cakes of unleavened bread. For it had not become leavened since they were driven out of Egypt and could not delay. Nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. Now the time that the sons of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. And at the end of 430 years, to the very day, to the very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be observed for the Lord for having brought them out from the land of Egypt. This night is for the Lord to be observed by all the sons of Israel throughout their generations. 
the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner is to eat of it, but every man's slave purchased with money after you have circumcised him, then he may eat of it. A sojourner or a hired servant shall not eat of it. It is to be eaten in a single house. You are not to bring forth any of the flesh outside of the house, nor are you to break any bone of it. All the congregation of Israel are to celebrate this. But if a stranger sojourns with you and celebrates the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near to celebrate it. He shall be like a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person may eat of it. The same law shall apply to the native as to the stranger who sojourns among you. Then all the sons of Israel did so. They did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that same day, the Lord brought the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. So our focus, it's all about obedience here. It's all about obedience. Uh, this is, this is uh, so important, and we see it here. Uh, verse 35, the sons of Israel had done according to the word of Moses. Uh, they bowed and worshipped. Uh, when they heard the word of God, they, they obeyed God. They, they uh, responded in the fear of God. So verse 50, all the sons of Israel did so. They did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. The focus is this, that the blood of the Lamb saved Israel and the blood of Jesus Christ saved sinners. There are so many parallels here in the story of Passover that we see uh, in the promises of the Lord's return. You know, as the Lord Himself said, you know, he, he gives the story of the ten virgins watching for the bridegroom. And at midnight, the cry came, right? The cry came at midnight. So there are so many parallels to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the great day of the Lord, which is yet to come. And I've said to all of you, uh, which I genuinely believe and try to live in this way in my own life, that the end of all things is near. The end of all things is near. My own behavior, my own attitudes, my own values about the world, my, my views and my urgency with my children and grandchildren, about seeking to teach them the truths of God's Word and live to share the Gospel with people is an urgency because the end is near. What's interesting here is that you have this millions of people, oh, by the way, with all of their animals, with all of their goods that they now gleaned from the Egyptians, there was no time for preparation. God's Word came to Moses, now's the time. This is the beginning of your new year. This is the beginning of the Jewish calendar, Passover and unleavened bread. So tonight we focus on the lamb and on leaven. Lamb and leaven. It's an interesting contrast. And so let's work through this and uh, let's make a few comments about it. I would say this, the word Passover, the Hebrew word for Passover is actually, we, we know it means to pass over the house, as we've just read, of those where the blood was applied, but the Hebrew word actually is a little bit uh, more uh, unique than that. It has the idea of skip over. To skip over. It's the same thing, but I think the, the, the note of that is important to see. God skips over where the blood is applied to the house. So the blood on a house. Uh, the blood of the lamb must be applied. 
the blood of the lamb must be applied. So first we see the Passover commanded by God. Before I do that, I must remind you that there was a promise of all of this. We must go back and read it to get our context here. Chapter 11, the Lord gave the people favor with the Egyptians. This is 11.3. Furthermore, the man Moses himself was greatly esteemed in the land of Egypt. This is after these uh, nine plagues. Uh, there was fear among the Egyptians. There was hardness in their leader's heart, but the people were afraid. And they esteemed the children of Israel, and they saw nothing was happening to them. Nothing was happening to God's people while all of these horrible plagues fell on Egypt. While the children of Israel were in the land of Goshen, protected from all of these plagues, they saw God's powerful protection, and yet their uh, pain and judgment. They were greatly esteemed. So Moses uh, said, thus says the Lord. Notice verse 4. This is 11.4. This, this is what he's saying now. About midnight, this is God. I am going out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn shall die. From Pharaoh all the way through the slave girl who is behind the millstone, all the firstborn of the cattle. Moreover, there shall be a great cry in all the land of Egypt, such as there has not been before, and such as shall never be. But against the sons of Israel, a dog will not even bark. Whether against man or beast, that you should understand how the Lord makes a distinction, notice, between Egypt and Israel. God makes a distinction between those who are under the wrath of God, even in our day, who are not saved, and the lost. There is a distinction. Yes, God loves the world. He has warned the world. But the wrath of God abides on those who will not hear and who suppress the truth and reject the word of God and the truth of God for their own selfish unrighteousness. There is a distinction God makes between what he does for his people in this world and what he does to the lost in this world. That's very important for us. Pharaoh will not, all the servants will come down to me and bow themselves before me, verse 8. Go out, you and all the people who follow you, and after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, so that my wonders will be multiplied in the land of Egypt. The hard-hearted Pharaoh is a picture, of, as we all know, of hard-hearted people who will not respond to the gospel, who will not respond to the truth of God's word. So then the Lord speaks to Moses in Egypt and declares to him, here is the Passover, and we, we just read it in verses uh, 1 through 13, and I've given you some uh, detail here. Each family will take a lamb uh, for sacrifice. So each, each family, each household, each household is covered by a lamb. It's by household. It's important that we see this, this distinction. It's the same as we've been talking about and I labored to talk about for months on end with our people about as for me and my house. What is done in your family, what the men of, the, of this church do as fathers and grandfathers with their family matters as it relates to the, the Lord Jesus Christ and to teaching the truth of God's Word to our families. It's a family issue. It's a fa the Word of God starts in the home. The Word of God starts with the teaching. Yes, we're here at the church to do our part to support that. But it is, first of all, something that happens in the home. Notice, they weren't gathered together to eat this uh, lamb. Each family, it's clearly given. Each family will take a lamb for sacrifice. And if they're extremely poor, they share 
among families, and this is the grace of God, isn't it? And they share among the families enough so that each has their part to eat the lamb. The lamb is to be without blemish. That's in verse number 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish a year old. Each family then, as we see in verse number 6, is to kill uh, the lamb. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Just before the darkness comes, which by the way, remember in the Hebrew, you know, God created the world uh, evening, night, and day. You know, the Hebrew day begins at night, not in the morning. It's, remember, this is important. So at twilight, at the end of the day, at the beginning of the new day, at the, con at the connecting of, t at twilight, at the ending of one day, and the beginning of the new day, all of Israel at one time kills their lamb. There is the killing of an innocent lamb. At the same time, by all of Israel, every family, every household, with their own lamb. And then in verse number 7, importantly, it's, it's, it's very significant. The detail of the book of Exodus, the detail of Numbers, I've mentioned this to you. These, these uh, first five books are extremely detailed because God is a God of details. God is a God of details. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat. So they're to apply the blood. The blood is placed... There was the blood to my heart applied. Any of y'all remember singing that song? Glory to His name. Amen? Is that good? There to my heart was the blood applied. I'm trying to not make the parallel yet to us and, and the Lord Jesus, but we need to know the history of this. It's important for us. All of these things link together. Uh, we need to understand this. Our Old Testament helps us to understand the fulfillment of prophecy and the first and second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lamb placed on the doorpost. It must be applied in order for the destroyer to pass over. Not just the kill, not just the sacrificing of the Lamb. The blood must be applied on the outside of the house while the people are inside the house, while the destroyer makes his way through Egypt. The distinction is the blood of the innocent lamb applied with hyssop, the branch of hyssop, on the doorpost. The flesh is eaten also. Now, now, not only is the blood applied, but also that same night you roast the lamb and you eat it with two, two side dishes. Darlene, two side dishes. <laughs> Roasted lamb with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. You eat it. You eat the sacrificed lamb. You consume it. You eat it. Now, I know who's in this room and you know the parallels. We looked at them when we were looking in uh, Sunday mornings at uh, Truths at Last. You remember, you remember the turning point in the Gospel of John? The Lord Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh. Remember that? Remember this? Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And you remember what happened? Many of the disciples could not handle that. And they turned away and did not follow Jesus. You remember that? So the Lord says, you must eat my flesh. 
You must drink my blood. So here we have it. You're to sacrifice, kill the lamb, apply the blood to the doorpost, and eat the lamb. And you eat it as a family. Everybody in the family eats the lamb along with the serving of unleavened bread and the bitter herbs. So there's the meal. There's the meal. There's a meal being taken while the sacrifice to protect them from death is placed on the outside of the house. The flesh is eaten by the family at night. And the remainder of the flesh, this is an interesting side note, but it's important. Nothing is left. Nothing is left. You shall not leave any of it that's left of this sacrificed lamb until morning. You shall burn it with fire. Completely consumed to ash. The sacrifice is burned. The lamb is burned completely. And so the flesh is eaten, the, the lamb is eaten, and the remainder is burned, and then the the lamb eat the, the people eat this fully clothed, ready to travel, and they eat it fast. Now it's the very opposite of what my mother, uh, who is now in heaven, bless her, God rest her soul. How many times I've heard this in my life? Slow down and chew up your food. Don't eat so fast. But here, you eat it fast. You eat in haste. Look at this. You eat it fast. This is what. 12-11 says, Now you shall eat in this manner with your loins girded. you got your clothes on. Your traveling clothes are on. Your shoes are on. Your sandals are on your feet. And your staff is in your hand. And you stand up and eat this in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. We'll come back to talk about the significance of that in a moment. Then God's judgment is announced here. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike down all the firstborn. Notice again this phrase. I've mentioned it to you before. What is it that God kept in, in encouraging Moses about when he said he couldn't do his work? What did he say over and over? I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I am Yahweh. I am with you. I am the one who is present with you. I am the Lord. We need to remember that in our day in which we live. The blood shall be a sign for you on your house where you live, and when I see the blood, I skip over. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So then we come to the announcement of the feast and ordinance. So the first ordinance for the Jewish uh, people has to do with the sacrifice of the lamb at Passover and the applying of blood to their house and the eating of the meal, eating of the lamb. But now there is a feast of bread unleavened bread. Now, this is the next interesting thing. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is now commanded by God as a second ordinance. Passover day was to be a memorial, a remembrance. Notice it. Now, this day will be a memorial to you. This Hebrew word is actually a word that means to be remembered. What did the Lord Jesus say about the Lord's Supper? Do this in... Yes, this is our memorial. This is our memorial. <coughs> This is our permanent, it is what God's people all around the world gather to do, some of them under secret, hiding away in places so they cannot be seen. They gather together at the Lord's table, and it is a memorial, it is a remembrance, and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You are to celebrate it, notice, as a permanent 
ordinance. We read in Psalm 119 about God's ordinances. And you see, this is when uh, what I believe David the holy man is doing. He's focused on these ordinances, these feast days and these times. I remind you the Lord Jesus many times as a Jewish boy before he ever started his ministry. And then after, as we know, in the upper room, he went and he practiced Passover, didn't he? He practiced the festivals. He practiced the ordinances. He obeyed the law completely without any uh, sin. What a, what a joyful thing to think about our Lord and what he did. Uh, and your generations are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. Then we read on, uh, just going through the outline here. And so the family shall eat the bread for seven days. You know, seven days for creation, and on the seventh God rested. Now seven, seven days about salvation. Seven days about this is, this is the meal, this is the celebration of salvation. This is the beginning, the first time. This is the emergence in the Word of God to remind us of the importance of blood and sacrifice. The innocent slain for the guilty. This is a reminder of deliverance, and this is the reminder of, of uh, so many things that are important for us. The family eats this bread for seven days. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, but on the first day you shall remove the leaven from your houses. The family removes all the leaven, or they'll be judged by God. And Israel will celebrate a holy uh, assembly now for seven days. You start the seven days with a holy assembly, and you end on the seventh day with a holy assembly. And Israel is to observe the feast of the unleavened bread as a perpetual ordinance. The warning is repeated frequently. The warning to remove all leaven from the house and the warning not to eat leavened bread. Not to eat leavened bread. Then we have Moses' commands to Israel to sacrifice the lamb. Now it begins. Now it begins. So then Moses calls for the elders and says, Go, take for yourselves the lambs according to your families, and slay the Passover lamb. You have the sacrifice, the killing of the lamb, the applying of the blood, the eating of the lamb, and then you have seven days, seven days of eating unleavened bread. Think of these pictures now, my dear friends. Think of what God is seeking to do they're about to go to the... We know the rest of the... We, we've read Exodus. <laughs> you have to go back now and remember where they were hearing this. There was no book. You know, they didn't have the book of Exodus. I mean, Moses didn't say, now look, I've got a copy for each of you and you can share them in your families. There, there was no book. This is, the, this is why I've called this series Moses, a man who heard from God. What he heard from God, he was declaring for the first time to generations, think about this. If you've had 20 generations living in one place, they are embedded in that culture. Now God, at, in the night, at nighttime, delivers Israel and judges Egypt severely with great, great sorrow and sadness. The firstborn of animals and the firstborn of of children all die. A night of misery and pain, but also in the judgment of God, the deliverance of God's people. 
This is the irony of what will happen in these final days. There will be a taking out of God's people, removal of God's people, and then there will come the great days of the Lord. We're about there. It's not, it's not longer, it's shorter than it's ever been. And so we have this, this eating of the, of the bread, and we have this removal of leaven. It's such an important matter because leaven, as we know in the New Testament, is always, and we'll look at this at the end as we apply this, leaven, uh, leaven is always a, a reminder of us of sin. And uh, the Lord said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And Paul's going to talk about leaven as he applies this to us as believers. I'll get to that in a moment, but let's follow this. Moses commands that they do it, so the Lord's going to pass through, and when he sees the blood, he'll skip over, verse 23. Then the parents are to explain in the days ahead. What do we do? This is what I love about our, and our, our young adults in our church are really working hard at this, and I appreciate this. You know, it takes a lot of... Uh, some of us grew up in churches where, you know, nurseries were limited. You didn't have a lot of choice in the old days. You just, everybody came to church. You just, kids jumping around, running around. It's just what you did. I appreciate that our, our young families are very serious about this. And at our late hour, especially, some in the early hour, we have a lot of boys and girls in there. And they listen. They listen. Uh, they, they pay attention to what's being said. And when we do, when we come to the table of the Lord, they're inquisitive. They want to know, why are we doing this? Why are we eating this? Why are we drinking this? What is this about? Here, the same thing is true. It is the responsibility of, of parents, of the godly parent, to explain what does this mean uh, as you observe this. When you enter the land, verse 25, as you promised, and your children say to you, why are we doing this? Why do you do this? That's a great thing for a child to ask when it comes to spiritual things, isn't it? Dad, why do you read your Bible? Why do you pray? Dad, why do you go to church? Dad, why do you take this, why do you and the church take this strange, uh, what is this you're doing? We do it once a month at our church. Why do you do this? What an opportunity that is, and you see here, this wonderful chance to, to explain. And so what do they do? They worship God uh, because they're reminded the Passover sacrifice is the Lord passing over your houses and he smote Egypt. How can you not worship and thank God if you're saved? Would you agree with that? If you know you're saved, you worship God. Amen. You praise God every day that you're saved. You thank God on your knees that he saved you from a miserable life of wickedness. <laughs> So the people bow down. You can see it. It's just a beautiful picture. Um, and so God judges Egypt. What a sad time. What a sad day. Now it came about at midnight. Well, while Israel is killing the sacrificial lamb, while Israel is eating the lamb and applying the blood to the doorposts, while they are eating their unleavened bread and beginning this practice, which they will practice in the days ahead, and they're preparing their ordinances, God sends the destroyer. When God comes in judgment, He will never be stopped. You cannot stop the fearful judgment of God. One of Perhaps one of the most brilliant uh, 
people in America, American history, is a preacher named Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was a famous preacher uh, from the New England world, uh, coming a generation after the first Puritans came here, a congregational preacher, a brilliant man, a great preacher. His most famous sermon, a revival broke out called the Great Awakening during those days. In fact, just down here, if you want your church history is close to you here. There was a second Great Awakening that came. Some of you should Google this and read it. And right down here at our park, right down here at our park, part of the second Great, great Awakening broke out in this area down here. And you have that little chapel uh, founded down there. Um, and my point is to say this, that uh, sometimes smart people say, well, I don't believe God judges. I just believe God's a God of love. Look, you cannot preach about the love of God and be truthful with people unless you speak about the wrath of God and the judgment of God. And his most famous sermon was a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. He spoke these words to remind them that sinners are in the hands of an angry God. You want to know how angry God can be? We've seen the flood in Noah's day. Now we see one of the most sad days in the world. Can you hear the groans all across Egypt? At midnight, verse 29, at midnight the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From Pharaoh all the way to the poorest of the poor. No one was, no one was left out. No mercy. When the judgment of God comes, grace is gone, mercy is gone. This is the message of the church about a coming judgment day. The day of the Lord is a day that will not be stopped. It is real, it is promised, it is prophesied, and it is yet to come. I've said to you all, we live in the middle of His first coming and His second coming. His second coming is much different than His first. He comes in glory and majesty and judgment, bringing retribution. I'm using Paul's words from 2 Thessalonians. He brings retribution on sinful, godless man. It will be a terrible day. And here at midnight, we have songs about the midnight cry. Perhaps it will be at midnight. The Lord said His day will come when no one's ready for it. Oh, by the way, Nobody was expecting this. But after 430 days, as we read in the Word of God, to the day, because that was the plan of God, judgment falls on Egypt. The great nation of Egypt. How we certainly cannot think that judgment cannot fall on America. Surely we've not been fooled. Surely. Surely. Perhaps God's judgment is already on us and we've not seen it. The Egyptians give all their gifts to the Israelites. They bless them. 33, the Egyptians urge the people, please go or we'll all be dead. Can you hear them? Please leave. Please go. All you, all you Jews, we'll all be dead if you stay here. Go. What do you want? What do you want? And they took their dough. Look at the detail of this. I mean, who, 
Who but an eyewitness see that would write this down? So the people took their dough. I want you to read carefully your Bible here. They took their dough. Now, I mean, we're talking about mass. The mass migration of millions, but oh, by the way, they took their dough before it was leavened with their kneading bowls. All the women in here know for sure what that is. Their kneading bowls. Well, you got to have your kneading bowls for the future bound up in the clothes on their shoulders. So, what are they going to do with all this gold and all these things that are layered down? Well, we're going to get to it, Lord willing, before Jesus comes. We'll get to the... the Exodus is a long book. You're, going, you're on a long journey with me. I hope you know that. You're, we're, going to, we're going to go through the wilderness. But one day, God's going to say to them, maybe you've never thought about this till now, but the Lord's going to tell them how to construct the tabernacle and gold is in it. Well, where'd they get the gold? They're going to have... They're going to have certain cloth they have to use for... Where'd they get that? There's nothing out. Have you ever seen a picture of Mount Sinai or the Sinai Peninsula? There's nothing out there but scrub brush and sand. They're bringing it all with them. And they plundered Egypt and all the goods of Egypt and carried it in to the wilderness to worship God. So they're given all these things and as the scripture says, they plundered the Egyptians, verse 36. How God is glorified, God glorifies Himself through His people even by using sinners to bless them. That's a very interesting thing, and it's true to this very day. Now, we come to this Israel bakes the dough for unleavened bread for their journey. Let's talk about unleavened bread for a moment as we are finishing here. 37 to 41. So, they, first of all, they go from Ramesses, if you look on a map, if your Bible has it. Uh, so, it's about 156 miles, approximately, from Ramesses in Egypt to Mount Sinai, if you just do a, a geographical thing. It's about 150 miles. So, I don't know, what, what is it from here to Knoxville? About 150 miles. Is it about 150? Marcus, mm -hmm. I mean, you drive over there all the time. Is it about 150? Aren't you a UT grad? About 150. Okay, what to Memphis? So it's close. Okay, I'm just trying to give us a measurement. You guys see what I'm saying? So it's about, that's what it is. About 150 miles. So they have all of these goods, and now 600,000 men are on foot, but that doesn't count all the rest of what they're taking. And as I said, the estimates are 2 million. You know, to plan for 2 million to migrate takes some planning, but there was no planning. Here's the word of God. We go tonight. We go now. Think about this. We go now. Kill your lamb. Observe the ordinances. We go now. Because as soon as the death comes to the Egyptians, what does Pharaoh say? Get out. Oh, by the way, bless me as you go. Isn't that interesting? Pharaoh would say such a thing. The wicked man asks for the blessing of God's man. The wicked man asks for the blessing of God's man. So, this matter of unleavened bread. Why unleavened bread? Well, you know, uh, I'm thankful at this church, and I, you know, I don't want to say who they are, but, and I would be glad for it to happen if, it, if they wanted, if these certain people, women wanted to do this soon. 
Every once in a while, I just go in my office, and lo and behold, there's a loaf of bread there. It's unbelievable. This loaf of bread shows up. Now, I'm not going to say who it is. I'm not trying to force anybody. Some are listening. We're not here, but I know listen. Maybe it's, I'm not, I'm just saying it's wonderful. I walk in, and there it is, that loaf. It's not unleavened. It's risen. It's got, you can put butter and honey on it, and you can just eat it. I'm ready for it any time if you want to send me something. But there wasn't any time for the dough to rise. They had to go. You see, unleavened bread is bread for the journey. Why do we have it in the supper? We're not staying here. When we have the supper, when we're at the table, we're here only short while. You all know we are on our way to heaven. I hope you know that. We've talked about it. Paul says, I'm running to heaven. I'm trying to get out of here. You know, I'll stay if it's what God wants, but I'd rather go. When you take the supper, remember this. You got on your traveling clothes. You know, too many Christians are way too comfortable living in the world. And you know what? The, the Israelites have been there a long time. This was my point. If you've had 20 generations in a place... They got a lot more culture there and customs to that Egyptian culture than they do to this, where are we going? These people have no idea. But they obey God. When you take the Lord's Supper the next time, remember this. The reason why we eat unleavened bread is because we're traveling. We don't have time to wait for the bread to rise. We're traveling. We're on a journey. All of us who've been together in this church for this amount of time, you know, we, we know all of us who've lived any amount of days, your life has changed over the years. How, how sad it grieves me when I hear people say, oh, I just wish it used to be like it was. Those days are gone. It's over. We're here today to serve God today in these times. And so unleavened bread is the, is the bread we take while we, got, while we got our clothes on, ready to go, staff in our hand. We're on the journey. We're doing this as we're moving along. The church is moving along. A church that's sitting in the world, happy in the world, is not a church that honors God. A church that's moving along in the world on journey is a blessing to God. Because as we go along our way, we share the gospel. We're not staying here. We're not staying here. So, bread is for the journey to heaven. And the Passover was observed at night. All of this taking place at night. The death of the millions and the great cries of sadness for death. Death is the wage of sin, isn't it? Death is coming and yet redemption and deliverance is coming to Israel who believed God. So how, what do we do with this? Well, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians. I've got two minutes. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. Uh, Paul does such wonderful things to help us. With these things, he's reminding the Corinthians of the immorality in the church. And uh, he has some strong things to say about it, but I want to pick up. Uh, he's, he's concerned that the church is not doing what they need to do to deal with immorality in the church. So he comes down in verse 6 and says, Your boasting is not good. Do you not know? And then he comes to this analogy. We've heard it many times, and this group's very familiar in this room. A little leaven 
leavens the whole lump of dough. The, the, the dear ladies who give me that good bread I'm waiting for, by the way, you don't, you, they know exactly how much leaven needs to go in there to make that beautiful, that bread rise, and it's just so perfect, and it's wonderful. They know just how to do it. And then they, hand, they, they pass around. Finally, Pat got her hands on some of this secret, whatever the secret is that these women have. What's it, how do you make, what's it? They, there's a secret to it. A starter. starter game. Yeah, a starter. It's like the most biggest secret game. <laughs> Pat said the other day, I got some starter. I said, what, lighter fluid? Or, <laughs> what, do you, what do you got, starter for what? We got needed starter for the car? No, for the bread. I said, oh, good. <laughs> good. But the Lord says here through Paul, clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump just as you are in fact unleavened. Notice we're unleavened because the sin is removed from us when we're saved. For, because, here it is, Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. Amen? Amen. And this group in here knows what all that means. So what did John say to his two disciples that day when the Lord Jesus walked by? John 1.29 Behold, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isn't that good? So I close with Revelation 5, and we'll, we'll make this our prayer tonight. Revelation 5, 6, if you want to read it, I can just read it for us. And I saw between the throne, this is where there's the cry, Who is worthy to open the book and break its seals? There's a book in the hands of the one who sits on the glorious throne. On the throne of God, the book is extended, but no one in heaven and earth was, was able to open the book and look into it. And John cried and wept, and he says, Stop weeping. The lion that is the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so that he can open the book. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out all into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Worthy are you, to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Amen. Amen. Praise God for the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus. Well, have a great week. All of you who joined us tonight, God bless you. Be with us Sunday if you can, and we're dismissed. Have a great evening.